Orcas and salmon are friends that need help. Our ocean pals are facing some trouble. Less trouble, more bubbles. There's so much we can do. Do you know what I'm thinking? Let's start preaching extinction. Hello, and welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. For those of you that are new here, the Breaching Extinction podcast explores the plight of the endangered southern resident killer whales through interviews with the people trying to save them. There are currently less than 80 southern resident killer whales left, and they are currently threatened by lack of prey, vessel noise, and water toxins. All these factors impact one another and play a significant role in their population decline. They have historically spent much of their time in the Salish Sea. However, they've been seen less and less likely forced out of their home by lack of prey as well as busy and toxic waters. I'm your host, Erica Worth, and I decided to start this podcast in 2019 after spending a summer working in the Salish Sea and learning about these animals. Each week, I dive into a new conversation with guests from varying perspectives. I approach these topics through an interdisciplinary lens in hopes of uncovering the intricacies of this complex issue. Through this, I hope to share insight as well as fit the puzzle pieces together needed to save this species. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in being featured on the podcast or sponsoring us, please reach out over Instagram at Breaching Extinction or send an email to info at breachingextinction.com. Thanks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. Um, this week, I have Owen with me from Snake River Savers. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well, uh, getting ready for the holiday season like everybody else. <laughs> um but yeah so we're just here to check in a little bit um owen has been on the podcast before and it's been a little while um so can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself just to kind of recap and maybe fill our new listeners in on who you are and what you do yeah um i'm owen i'm the leader for the events in public education realm in the volunteer organization snake river savers um basically it's sort of just a subgroup of that organization that handles like their events and things like that. Um, I got interested in orcas basically like in first grade. So I've basically been interested my entire life, um, but got more involved during COVID um, and came across snake river savers um, through trying to help in different ways. Awesome. Um, so what is snake river savers? Um, we're a volunteer organization um that's a part of the endangered species coalition uh and like the name implies we're um 100 volunteers uh trying to put pressure on our elected leaders to breach the snake river dams um, as quick of a timeline as possible absolutely so for anybody who maybe is new to this podcast um breaching the dams is one of the biggest things that we could do, definitely no silver bullet, but one of the biggest things that we could do to help restore our salmon populations, which the Southern resident killer whales almost exclusively eat. Um, and they're starving right now. That's one of the major three issues. So um, this could be definitely a huge thing. Um, so Governor Inslee has 
begin to address potentially taking the dams down, what has that been like for you guys and in your organization? Are you guys like putting pressure on in different ways? Has it kind of changed the attitude of how everyone is like approaching things and or feeling about the situation? Yeah, it's completely changed the attitude. Um, so for like these next eight months or so, um, this may be like the, the biggest like defining factor for this issue as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. Because um, like I mentioned on the last time I was here, this is the best opportunity that we have to breach the dams. Um, now that Democrats control Congress and whatnot. Um, after this process uh, happens, they'll basically decide whether the dams come down or not. Um, and we, we need them to authorize dam breaching at the very least by 2022 mm-hmm. um, before the midterms. Um, so basically what we're doing is we're coming up with our like long-term strategy for the next eight months. Um, yeah, basically just trying to make sure that um, they can't shove this under the rug during the midterms. Yeah, that's really important. That's awesome. So um, we're so we're looking at the midterm elections here. So so far, what is the strategy that you guys have? Um, basically, um, what's called a grassroots arc. So we're starting out with smaller events like recruiting people, basically just like building our base, educating as many people as possible, and then sort of more towards the middle, um, maybe like I don't know, late winter very early spring um sort of starting to ramp up the tactics and like moving more towards putting pressure on the target specifically and then around like may and june before uh i think it's july when they said they're gonna approve the plan um that's when we're gonna like be doing much larger tactics protests and whatnot um to try and use all of that power that we built up over the past eight months yeah That's awesome. Um, Yeah, I'm really stoked to see that Inslee is like finally addressing this. And I had a conversation um, with someone from Orchid Conservancy like two months ago or so. And it was David Bainey and he said that, um, or maybe, sorry, David Bain, I think it was. Um, But he said that um, Orca Conservation or the Orca um, Conservation Society hasn't, Orca Conservancy, Why am I tripping over my words? They haven't um, addressed the dams before because basically they they were targeting issues that they felt like were solvable. And now they are also targeting dam removal. So we're seeing a lot of progress. It's crazy because it didn't seem like it could happen or it would happen. And like Jim Waddell and so many other people have been fighting this for longer than you and I have even been alive. Um, And we could potentially see it this year. That would be crazy. So are you guys pushing for the removal this winter? Because I know that um, from my understanding, because of the way that the salmon migrates, winter is a better time to take the dams down. Is that correct? Um, We're pushing for like, at the very least, them authorizing it Mm -hmm. by uh, 2022. Obviously, like, yeah, logistically speaking, um, that would be like the quickest timeline. But Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not going to happen if they don't at the very least authorize it. But yeah, I mean, the quickest timeline possible would be the best one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I feel like it's definitely something that can even like, like we're supposed to see the impacts of the dam removal like pretty quickly too. And 
like there's been a lot of incidents with like marine species like when we think of like the humpbacks they used to be endangered how like when they're given like the space that they need like nature's pretty good at doing nature and like getting back to it like obviously i'm not saying like never manage nature because we've managed it to a point where it's like bad so we kind of have to remove back to where it's like okay but point being nature is resilient and we could get back to a better place yeah if Um, we act now if we act now, not if we sit around twill our thumbs and then do 500 more studies on yeah. is there enough salmon or not enough salmon and whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Um, hopefully they don't do that. Cause I think that was like the whole thing with um, the orca task force is like the main kind of complaint that I've heard about that entire initiative was that people were just like, they kind of just, talked about needing more studies the whole time and like only really addressed whale watching, which like is a portion of it, but only a portion of it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the main goal here is to like make this not orca task force part two. We need to yeah. hold them to their promise of uh, restoring salmon, which is a thing that they've repeated. It's like, yeah, we are going to restore salmon. We need to make sure that they actually mean that and, Basically, what the studies have shown is that you can't restore salmon without breaching the Snake River dams. Yeah. Um, And the Snake River is like one of the only places where the habitat is actually restorable, correct? Um, I mean, yeah, it's got very pristine habitat. It's, um, yeah, behind the dams. I'm not sure if it's like the only place that would be good, but it's, from my understanding, the, the, the biggest dam removal project that could be done or the biggest river restoration project in North America. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Cause I know right now the removal of the Klamath is the biggest, but this could be the second biggest, which would be great. Or, I mean, uh, this, I, I think this would be the biggest actually. Um, the awesome. Klamath uh, it's um, more beneficial and even like the Elwha. Um, yeah. But if this were to happen, this would be, I think bigger than the Klamath. Yeah hopefully um yeah i i mean it, it it would be amazing we definitely need to save the salmon for sure because like i mean salmon within themselves like not that one species is necessarily more important than another but like salmon definitely supports so much of like the washington ecosystem like we find okay. the dna of it in the trees all because it like when they come back up the river and then when they die their nutrients go into the soil Alrighty, guys. So we have Shiva Rajbandari with here with us here as well. Um, can you give us an introduction of who you are and how you came to do the work that you're currently doing? Yeah, my name's uh, Shiva. Um, I use he and pronouns, and um, I'm the director of Youth Salmon Protectors, which is uh, kind of a sub organization of the Idaho Conservation League, really working to build a coalition of young people around uh, breaching the Fort Lewis Snake River dams to save wild salmon and steelhead, which is critical to the orca issue as well. So um, I'm just super happy to be here. Awesome. Good. We're happy to have you guys here. Um, So Owen and I were talking a little bit about um, the Lower Snake River dams and how his organization is working to kind of push the removal of them. Um, What is the relationship between your two organizations or how did you guys come to meet each other and work together? I guess I can start. Um, We... We're first on a youth panel organized by Snaker Receivers, Idaho Conservation League, Endangered Species Coalition, and Youth Salmon Protectors, um, where we basically just um, t- 
talked about the issue and answered questions about it and are working together more um, on this like week of action thing. That's awesome. Yeah, I think um, Idaho Conservation League is part of the Endangered Species Coalition. Um, and so there's like definitely a lot of connections between our two organizations. Yeah. Uh, I think that Youth Salmon, Protect- Salmon Protectors has a really big group in, in Boise, Idaho, which mm-hmm. is where I'm from. Um, and Snake River Receivers has likewise a group, a big group in like Seattle. Um, and I think we're both trying to like grow our, our organizations across state lines and um, build like this this really large coalition um, in Oregon, Washington, and Idaho, um, even outside of urban areas. And so I think that's kind of where we're intersecting and, and working together. And I mean, we really have the same mission, which is you know the dams need to come out. Absolutely. Um, so I've had Owen on here before, and I know a bit about his background and how he, you know, got motivated to be a part of this movement. What was your motivation to jump in and try to help the salmon and the orcas? Yeah, I mean, um, growing up, I always like loved to fish with my grandpa. Um, I think I caught my first fish when I was like five. Yeah, so growing up, I I, I loved to fish. I grew up fishing um, in a lot of this the Snake River Basin with my grandpa. Um, and he used to cry about, about this issue. He, he would tell me stories about how, um, you know, he used to, he wouldn't be able to walk across the streams because, you know, without stepping on a salmon, there were so many of them. Um, and they would, you know, paint, paint the streams red each, each fall. Um, and I think that often fish are like, thought of as like an old people, as an old person's issue. Um, and I think that's like a mischaracterization, which is, I mean, because just because we haven't seen the fish doesn't mean that we don't feel that loss. Um, and I mean, really, that's our inheritance that that is being damned to extinction. Uh, and then a few months ago, I went, I had the privilege to go on the Red Road to D.C. and visit the, the totem pole. Yeah. Yeah, that the Lummi tribe was um, bringing across the country to uh, sacred indigenous sites. Um, and I... Um, I listened to one of one of the elders told a story about how he had a dream where he was a salmon um, and he'd like fertilized eggs. And at, at the time I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, you, you know, you can just make whatever you, up, whatever you want up for your dreams. Um, and about a month later, I had a dream where I was walking. There's a canal in Boise called the New York Canal, which is kind of up on up on a hill. And I was walking at the bottom of that hill with my dad. Um, and then I ran up the hill and I looked in in the canal and I saw all these fish, these red fish swimming in the canal. Um, and I jumped in the water um, and underwater, you know, there were so many of them just swimming all around me. Um, and when I came back up out of the water, there were, it, it wasn't a canal anymore. It was like this free flowing river. Um, and there were hills on both sides and trees and, and there were salmon everywhere. Um, and I and in my head, I was like, how could this be? Like, how, how is this a thing? And, um, I knew that, that the dams were breached and that the salmon had been saved. And I think that like listeners are probably like, well, yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah. You can yeah. just, yeah. but someday I think we'll all have a dream like that. And I know now that I have to work to, to be a part of the solution. Um, you know, it's, we've got 10 years. Let's just make this happen. Yeah. I mean, I feel like even 10 years is like a liberal thing. Like we need to get the dams really like breached tomorrow or honestly yesterday. But um, yeah, that's like pretty amazing. I've definitely heard of like other people having 
dreams. I definitely have had dreams of orcas like the night before I see orcas. Um, so I'm definitely like, don't think it's weird. And I'm sure there's other people out there that have had those sort of experiences. Um, and so you guys are both in high school. How old are both of you guys? Can I ask? <laughs> I'm 16. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm 17. I'm a junior at Boise High. Okay. This is like very incredible. Like, I, I don't know. I'm always just like extra inspired by like the, the young people, like you guys and like London Fletcher and Liam, just like being so aware of like the issues that are going on and like being so involved and like not making excuses because there's a lot of people out there that make a lot of excuses for why they can't do things or like that they can't help or like that they're not educated enough. And it's like, you know, you guys are like 16 and 17 and like out there like, yeah, I can do something about this. Like, and you're doing something about it, which is incredible. Um, so you had mentioned something about um, like a, an awareness week. Can you guys tell me more about that? Yeah, so um, we're planning on having it be on the week of December, December 6th, um, 2021. Uh, I'm still waiting for like the exact plan to be approved by our leader, Chris, but um, I think it's going to involve letter writing, phone call parties and LTE parties, which is basically where you write letters to elected officials, call those elected officials, and then um, LTE parties or letter to the editor parties are writing uh, letters to the editor in uh, newspapers mm -hmm. uh, in support of dam breaching. And then sort of in the middle of the week, we'll have like social media actions. And then uh, the last like Friday, Saturday, Sunday of the week, we're hoping to have uh, banner deployments, um, which is basically when you set up at an overpass with a banner with a message on it, usually something like murray cantwell or insley or whatever target you have uh save wild salmon reach the snake river dams or something yeah. along those lines um where you're exposing your message to potentially thousands of people driving under the overpass so that's the plan right now it might change a little bit uh once he approves it um but yeah by the time the podcast comes out we'll probably have those plans posted on the snake river savers social media accounts Awesome. So you can find them there. Excellent. Yeah. And I mean, we're already prepping for that too. We've been working on um, like painting banners and um, informing, going into like schools and, and talking about the issues. So we're really working to um, get a really large mobilization during this week, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that's really great. Um, do you guys plan on doing any protests or anything like that? Um, for Snake River Savers, we're hoping on having more stuff like that in June. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that takes like a really long time, uh, to like build up that base and whatnot. But I mean, yes, at, at one point we will definitely have mm -hmm. events like that. Nice. Uh, Erica, you mentioned how, um, like young people are like really willing to jump into things. Um, and I think that we might have protests. I think we, we can plan one like that week. Um, and so I guess we'll have to see, but um, I think that's what's really cool about like the way we organize is that like, we mobilize very quickly. Um, and, and so maybe. <laughs> nice. Well, definitely let us know if you do. We'd love to like 
you know, push for that and everything. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I mean, it definitely can take some planning, but also, you know, if everybody's gung ho, might as well go for it. Um, so how are your two organizations collaborating together? Is it just the awareness weekend? Um, or like what other, like, how do you guys reach other people in your community? Cause like, obviously you're going to find the orca people and salmon people cause orca people and salmon people just find each other. But how do you like recruit new people who are not already orca or salmon people? We go, we spend a lot of time going into schools and, um, talking to, to people about, about the salmon. And what we found is that most kids have like a connection to, to salmon or the snake river um, or to orcas, um, kind of depending where they live. Um, and I think that at least in Idaho, this salmon issue, it means so much um, to so many people that it's not hard to communicate, um, you know, the importance of, of salmon as, as species and, and the ecosystems they uphold and, and the tribal justice component. Um, and I think what's really cool is every time we go in to talk about this, the first thing, you know, someone always just raises their hand and is like, well, what can we do about it? Um, and I think that's what's so powerful about um, like youth organizing is that it's very focused on, on action. Um, we also do like wheat pasting campaigns, um, which and you probably know what wheat pasting is. Um, you know, we're, we're buying a projector. I think Snake River Savers has a projector. Oh, and you did some really cool projections, um, last Saturday. Yeah. That was a backbone campaign, but yeah, yeah, we did do that. That was neat. Um, and then also just like going into restaurants, um, handing out, um, handing out cards, um, and then just really like mobilizing our, the base of people we already have, because, you know, like the, the Kevin Bacon thing where like, it's like six connections in yeah. any world. Um, like really we do already have like a coalition of over like a thousand young people. Um, and it's not hard to, you know, just get your friends involved, um, talk to your, to your family about, about salmon and, um, and take action because there's so many ways that you can take action. It's, it's overwhelming. You can call your elected officials, you can write postcards, you can write letters to your editor. You can go do your own action. You can make a banner. Um, so I think that it's, it's definitely like a very contagious, um, like spread and there's not like a official like way to do it, um, because it spreads like that. Yeah. No, I think it's like a really good point that you bring up is there's like no way to do it. And there's like an overwhelming amount of ways to help. I think a lot of people get like, oh my gosh, I always forgot. I always forget what this one girl said, but it basically was like, I was listening to another podcast and it's like, um, when you don't know enough, you don't do something. And I've referenced that like a bunch of times and I always forget what it is, but basically like, I think that people do that a lot where it's like, they get overwhelmed by all the things that they have to know rather than like, finding one thing that they can fix. Cause it's definitely overwhelming. Like it, like, I think a lot of people don't think about issues that we have with the planet and climate and salmon, et cetera, because it's really hard. Like humans are way more emotionally driven than they are like logically driven. And a lot of people don't want to recognize that. But, um, like if you approach it that way in this mindset of like, there's an overwhelming amount of things that I can do and like, let's just get this going. Like, I think that that's definitely a really good attitude um, to approach into it. And I totally think the same thing with the whole, like six degrees of separation is you never know who you're going to interact with. So you might as well just say something like worst case scenario, you've just told somebody about salmon and they've like, maybe learned something, maybe not. And that's the worst that happened, you know? 
Yeah. And it's definitely something that like everyone can relate to in some way. I mean, I think like in current political climate, um, at least in Idaho, maybe you've had a different experience on, um, like, you know, you talk about climate change or you talk about public lands or something like that. And there's always like some kind of pushback, but with salmon, you don't really see that as much. Um, like in my community, I think like everyone is pretty much on board with like saving the salmon. Um, as long as there's, you know, proper, um, proper support for farmers and, and uh, port users who are affected, um, which I think Simpson's plan and hopefully Marine Inslee's plan will probably entail. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think it's a way to bond with like your community and, and bring everyone together. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you guys don't have a lot of um, pushback because Idaho is a red state, right? I would have kind of expected that in that sort of political climate that you would get a lot of pushback. So I'm glad to hear that's not the case. It's probably more than Washington, um, but I don't see it among like young people. Um, like we go into classrooms, no one's like challenging us. Um, and, and that goes for like Republicans and Democrats alike. I think, you know, everyone likes to fish. Um, everyone, like people live in Idaho because it's because of the outdoors. Um, and when you talk about like conservation of something that's so integral, such as anadromous fish, um, everyone's pretty much on board. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. really important. One of like the most gratifying things, at least for me, about doing this kind of work is like doing some sort of like banner deployment where you can see like people reading the words or like mouthing the words or people like at the projector thing that I did like a week ago or so, um, where people come up and talk to you, like people really care about this issue that's not the problem at all um the problem is that just not enough people know um and hopefully over this next eight months we can fix that problem and i'd say i go even further to say that enough people know and enough people care but our elected officials aren't listening and we need to get in their face about it and you know, they should be getting overwhelming calls every day. And, you know, their, their, their street should be blocked on the way to work um, until these dams come out and our salmon and orcas are safe. I'm definitely feeling a lot of passion from you over there, which I love. I think that's great. And I agree with you. Like, we should have an overwhelming amount of calls and, and things that are going in. And, you know, I urge anybody who's listening to this to um, go write or call your senators. Like, even if you can only do it like once a week, that like if everybody does it once a week, then it can be overwhelming. Like, um, we don't all have to be blocking the street, but for those of you that do want to go block the street, go block the street. Like, it's great. Um, so, you guys are all trying to like raise awareness and get more people involved. What do you think it's going to take to get the dams finally down? Because um, Owen and I were discussing a little bit about um, like the fact that Inslee's actually addressing it now. Um, like, what do you think it's going to take? And like, how do you feel about it potentially being something that's a little bit closer? I think it's going to take compromise and a lot of hard work. Um, and I don't think that there's like a silver bullet. Um, I mean, obviously I think a silver bullet to preventing extinction is breaching the four large snake river dams. Um, but I mean, then we also have to address climate change and, um, and the travel justice pieces of it. Um, but I think that 
when we're all pushing for solutions, uh, the people who are supposed to, I mean, it's not our job to come up with those solutions. It's our job to 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 state our problems and state how much we care. Um, and it's politicians' job to come up with solutions and scientists' job. Um, and I think that the dams are going to come out, um, whether we like it or not, in the next 50 years. Um, and we just need a lot of mobilization now to make that happen sooner before the salmon have gone extinct rather than later. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is it's like, you know, obviously we want to have well thought out solutions that have like been well studied and we're looking at all the different impacts. Um, but like they've been well studied for a long time. The science has backed it for decades that they need to go down. And it's like time to stop pretending that that's like, the thing that's standing between us and that there's something else. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that's like a, you know, a, a good thing to bring up is like that maybe it is like, it is our politicians that need, do need to come up with the solutions and they do need to listen. Um, and I'm sure it's very tough to be a politician when you like, no matter what issue it is that you have, you're going to have people that disagree and that are upset with you and that want something else, but ultimately doing what makes the most sense. And we don't have that much time left. Like, you know, I think a lot of people think that we have a lot more time than we do, but it really like we we're already behind and like we need to get on this issue as quickly as possible, because like, say we do wait the 10 years for the dams to go down, which is like in theory, you know, how much time we have left before the salmon is like fully extinct. I mean, who knows what could happen between now and then, like we could have some sort of climate change issue or like there could be an oil spill in the Salish that like, you know, impacts the Southern residents. Like we don't have time to like wait and like see what's going to happen. Like these animals are going extinct right now and we have to do something right now. Yeah. I, I like what you said about, you know, the science is solid because if Murray and Inslee come out with another panel or another study, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to, I'm going to come over to Olympia and I, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Like right now, I think, or yeah, yeah. Right now it's, I think they think that it's politically easier for them to just kick the can down the road and, you know, have decent rhetoric, but with yeah. no action. Um, yeah. Basically what we need to do is like Shiva said, like block the streets or not necessarily block the streets, Yeah. Um, but like put, lots of direct pressure on them to make it so that they know that that is unacceptable and that we're not going to let them do that. Right. I would say that politicians who are unwilling to do something that is not politically easy should not be politicians. Maria Cantwell should not be a politician. That's, I mean, that's totally fair. Like, you know, we all, everybody has to make like hard decisions at the end of the day, like, and nobody's ever going to be liked by everyone, you know, and that is a tough position to be in. But at the same time, like you were the one that ran for office and like decided that you wanted to do this. And like, you have to be like emotionally and mentally equipped to be able to handle that. And then also be able to figure out what is like the best thing to do for the long term, because like, you know, maybe, and, and when I say the long term, I mean everybody's long term, not your long term of will I get reelected, but like salmon and like all the indigenous people that have just been totally screwed over, like just constantly. Like you, like I feel like it's like we're it's 2021, like get with the program, like figure it out, you know, like obviously. Yeah. 
the planet's dying and, and indigenous people deserve rights. Just get with the program. Did you become a politician just to get reelected? Because, I mean, once you serve one term in the Senate or one term in the House, you, qualify, you get a pension for the rest of your life. Retire. I mean, come on. If you don't want to take steps to actually make this country better for indigenous people, for the environment, for young people, retire. There's nothing stopping you. And, and we will elect politicians who want to do the right thing. Yeah, that's a good point, too. And like, I, you know, it just makes me wonder about like the motivations behind if you're not like trying to make it better, then why are you there? You know? ultimately like it's just like if like if it's an ego thing or if it's a money thing like there's other ways to like fulfill your need for more money or to like you know elevate your ego without trampling on communities of people are you you guys can't even vote yet can you that's what is that like what is that experience like as a politically passionate person who's not legally eligible to vote yet that's a really great point i i can vote next year um, which I'm excited about. Um, but I would say that not being able to vote is what pushes us to come up with more creative solutions um, to involve ourselves civilly. I was, I was listening to a, a City Club um, episode um, from Boise um, where they were talking about civility and um, there was a, a government teacher on who, who was saying like, basically young people are the most like civically engaged people in our community because we can't vote. Um, and I would say that I, I think that's true in, in my experience. Um, you know, uh, we registered 2000 people, um, during the, for the 2020, uh, presidential election. Um, we, uh, write letters to the editor or get published in op-eds. We're, we're blocking the streets. I would say that it's frustrating that, you know, at the end of the day, we personally can't affect choices like in the ballot box, but I think that we're able to affect a much larger group of people who do. And because we, we can't, because we know that, you know, our voices don't matter. Um, we are actively engaged in making sure that other people represent our voice and are educated um, and um, are, are involved in, in making sure that we get that representation that we demand. Yeah. And also, um, I think people rely a little bit too much on voting. Um, voting by itself, like, is it, not enough, um, especially when we have politicians who are making empty promises like saving the salmon without snake or dam breaching right. or that kind of thing. We need to, even if you can vote, you need to stay aware um, and keep putting political pressure on our leaders because they're not going to do anything if you don't do that. And I think um, because we don't, because we can't vote, we, we are sort of more aware of that because mm -hmm. we don't have that means of um, getting things done. And the primaries matter. I mean, the primaries are what keep these elected officials who have no political will in office. Maria Cantwell needs to be primaried. Senator Crapo needs to be primaried. Uh, Jim Rush needs to be primaried. Um, it is crazy to me that 9% of people, at least in Idaho, are electing uh, Mike Crapo in the primary, and yet they, they, he then represents 100% of us. Um, we need to increase turnout in the primaries, and we need to hold these elected officials accountable where it counts. Because, I mean, we're not going to defeat. We can't well in the general election, nor probably do we want to. 
Um, but we need young people running for office um, who really do want to get shit done and not just talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that that's really important. And I definitely agree that like voting, a lot of people feel like that they've, if they vote once, they've fulfilled their civic duty and that's it. Like, but you definitely have to pay attention and, you know, you can even make a change while people are in office. Like that's what the whole point of a politician is for is to listen to what you have to say. So make your voices heard, you know? Um, yeah, well, I love to see the passion and enthusiasm that you guys have and the projects that you're working on. Um, and that you guys are like so smart, like at the age of like 16 and 17, like, you know, and like, honestly, I think that your guys' generation is probably like the best one yet, just in general, like you guys don't Absolutely. like, feel like whatever your gender is, your sexuality, like whatever, it doesn't matter, you know, like, and then you're like paying attention to the things that are going on and you guys are kind and like, not like, you know, out here, like shaming people for just like being who they are or whatever. And like, paying attention to the world and wanting it to be a better place. And I think that's freaking awesome because I think you guys are like the first generation where I would say that it's like, like, I feel like I haven't met somebody your age that I'm not like, wow, I'm really impressed by this human being, you know? So it's awesome to see. And I'm like excited to see you guys like being leaders in your communities now and like where you guys go down the road. And also another thing that I think is like, really important to recognize too is that like young people it doesn't matter how young they are like even if you have a six-year-old kid who's like excited about orcas and they tell their parents like let's do x y or z because i like orcas like you never know what kind of impact you're going to get through so it's like any person from any walk of life can do anything or inspire somebody else to do something like it's not all like one type of person and like you know we we all have to to do our part and that doesn't necessarily mean that we all need to be like doing everything all the time but like do what you have energy for and like do what is within your you know financial and time budget you know um like a lot of these things don't cost money like making a phone call like you don't necessarily need to go to a whole protest you can like write a letter and just stick it in the mail it's like there's little things that we can do that can make a tremendous difference like you said erica there's no excuse. Um, and I would say that by having a podcast that reaches, you know, thousands of people every two weeks, um, you're doing a hell of a lot too. So thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. I'm really glad to have you guys on. Um, where can people follow you guys? And also, do you guys like have any final thoughts or things that you want to share with our listeners here? I guess sort of like a point that was brought up before the podcast is that you don't have to be like an expert in like political action or salmon or whales to make a difference mm -hmm. um like just 15 letters i think yeah just 15 letters like if you were to send or get 15 people to send 15 letters like even that like that that gets people in people's offices worried um so yeah you're you're, you're able to make a difference even if you don't know everything. Adding on to that, even if you do know everything, you are obligated to make a difference. There are so many people who are so smart and will tell you all day about salmon, but then haven't written a letter to the editor in years, haven't called their elected officials, don't show up to protests. And I think that like everyone has a part to play and everyone can take action. Um, and I, I think that work, these dams are coming out. It's going to happen. Um, and we're going to see the salmon and work is saved.
I agree with you. I think that these dams are going to come down. And I remember when I moved to Washington and like first learned about the orchids and the salmon and all the issues, like the people that I were working, that I was working with, like I had captains and like fellow naturalists that were like, the dams are not coming down. I'm not going to do anything about it. And I was like, excuse me, like what? Um, and at the time when I was hearing this, I could see where they would get the attitude that they're not coming down is coming from. But at the same time, it's because you're not doing anything like, and I think a lot of people, we just like live in this culture of like instant gratification where it's like, I do this like thing and I, I plant a seed and I want to see the flower grow right now. And like, it's been like Ken Balcom and Jim Waddell and a million other people who have been planting these seeds for 20, 30 years and like, you know, are still pushing for it. And hopefully we'll get to see, you know, a, like a flower or something grow out of this because like, it just, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of people doing a lot of things. And like you said, there's no excuse, like, and we don't have time for the attitude of like this, they're not coming down because they are, and you can help or you cannot help. So get a better attitude, do something about it. And let's save some salmon and some orcas. Yeah, don't be a doomer. There's a bud right now. And I mean, just thinking about like in the last two years that I've been involved, seeing um, how much the narratives change from like, oh, are we going to reach the dams to we're breaching the dams and here's how we're going to do it and like how, which way are we going to do it? That narrative just in the last two years shows how much progress can be made, you know, when just a small group of people take action and, and make sure that their, their voices are heard. Yeah. And like, it's hard like to not be discouraged by like the amount of urgency that is here. Like, you know, we're in the last couple of years of having salmon in the snake river. Um, but at this point we can recover the snake river and we have the best opportunity that we've ever had to do so. Um, so I think it would be like completely silly to not fight tooth and nail to make that happen. Absolutely. Yes. Um, awesome. Well, I am really excited to see what you guys have going on in the future. Um, if there's anyone here that's listening that wants to follow you guys and keep up with what you're doing, or hopefully there's some young people listening that maybe want to help join or, you know, create a coalition of their own in their area, if there isn't one and work with you guys, where can they contact you guys or follow you to get more information? You can follow Youth Salmon Protectors on Instagram at Youth Salmon Protectors. Um, and you can shoot us a DM and we can get you postcards in the mail, pre-stamped, pre-addressed postcards. Um, we can find actions near you and we can help you organize your peers uh, to make a difference. Amazing. And for Snake River Savers, you can follow us on Instagram at Snake River Savers, which is just one word on our Instagram and in our bio on all of our social medias, we have uh, a link tree that includes uh, joining our team, um, which it's a volunteer team. So it's as much work as you want it to be. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for all the work that you do and like going out there and kicking ass and like not making excuses and just like trying to get things done. I'm hoping that like we can have another conversation later about like what tactics worked to get the dams down or like different things like that. Um, but thank you guys so much for being here. It definitely was awesome having you guys on. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So sick what you're doing and it's always great to connect with you, Owen. So thank you. Hey, too, man.